Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. Good to see you today, and, and um, I've been anticipating sharing a topic this morning that is, is not a topic that I have shared much over the years um, in my preaching ministry. In fact, I've only shared it once, and it wasn't very long ago that I did that. It wasn't here, but in another setting. And I've thought a lot about this since I spoke about it, and, and the Lord has begun to show me more about it. And the importance of this topic for those who are chasing after God. And the topic is is real simple. It's spiritual confidence. Spiritual confidence. I had to sit in that for quite a bit. I was actually asked to speak in a series at another church out of 1 John chapter 3 about spiritual confidence. And I... I had to kind of define it. What is spiritual confidence? Because it's so closely knit to faith. And so if you were to define spiritual confidence, you could define it this way. There's not necessarily a definitive word or definition. But I think this would probably get as close as we could get. It's a unique and distinct sense of absolute conviction in God that cannot be affected by external or internal fluctuations. So we have this definition of spiritual confidence. And so I think the first thing that we would have to say is what what really is the difference between spiritual confidence and and faith? What, What would those things look like and why would they be different? Well, I have come to this realization. Faith is more about the way that I think and the way that I process things. Spiritual confidence is how I walk that out. It's how I act when it comes to those things. So I can have faith, but not necessarily walk in a confidence of the one I have faith in. And so really, there's a bridge here that I think helps us in our spiritual walk to to come to this understanding that that spiritual confidence is absolutely being sure of what we're sure of, absolutely knowing what we know, and not wavering in that, but then it also takes us to this place of where we are and what we do. And so there's this practical piece of spiritual confidence. And so to really understand what spiritual confidence is, and this is true in many ways, in many things in life, sometimes it's helpful to know what it isn't, right? So I think that if we were to look at it and say, well, well what is spiritual confidence? Well, here's what it's not. It's not self-confidence, okay? Now, I think that's a given, but I don't think it is. And here's why. Because in Matthew chapter 26, we hear the story about Peter, And we know Peter to be a disciple of Christ. He sat with Christ for three years. He walked with Christ. And on the night that Christ would be betrayed, 
He said, Jesus said to his disciples, you will fall away. And Peter stood up and said, they might, but not me. You you see the difference in in spiritual confidence and self-confidence? And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, oh, Peter, before midnight in the, in the crow, or the, not the crow, the rooster will crow at midnight. You will not betray me once, but three times. You see, when we get to this place where we're so confident of who we are, it can shadow our confidence in Christ. And that's what happened to Peter. Peter was confident. Oh, no. But you see, Peter's confidence was, was misplaced. Peter's confidence was in himself. Another thing that self-confidence is not, besides self-confidence, is it's not arrogant. It's not arrogance. And we see that in, in, in Luke 18. And, and Jesus gave this parable when it came to this scripture. He said in, in this particular scripture, he said, To some of you who are confident of your own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable, and we have to stop and say, well, that would never be me. But, oh, I think that we would have a tendency to to become self-confident and even arrogant. Jesus was seeing it. And so he gave this parable. Luke chapter 18, he says, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people. Those robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. God, thank you I'm not that way. And then he goes on and he says, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. And then there's the tax collector who stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the Pharisee, was heard by God. And so we have this parable, this picture that Jesus is saying, oh, be careful, church, be careful, Christ follower, that you do not put your confidence in yourself, but you put all of your confidence in me. And don't ever believe that you're better than the person next to you, because you're not. It's easy oftentimes to judge others or to think that, oh, I'm in a better place than they are. Whatever place you are in is only by the glory of God and not by your own doing. And by putting ourselves in a position of spiritual confidence, not self-confidence. Paul was confident when he wrote the words in Romans 8. Listen to what Paul says. You know the scripture. He says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Now, that is a statement of spiritual confidence. In fact, it's such a statement. I want to ask, ask you to say that with me. If God be for us, who can be against us? Now we're going to say it with confidence. If God be for us, who can be against us? We should be able to walk out of this place today just with that text with enough confidence to walk into whatever the world may throw at us. And he goes on, and he, and he gives this great explanation. He says, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. You see, it's, it's not because of us. It's through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, 
our Lord. What a statement of spiritual confidence that Paul gave us. And we just can't think it and have faith and believe it. It has to affect the way that we live. It has to affect the way that I act. It has to affect the way that I walk. You see, we're living in a time that's very unsettling, aren't we? I mean, just, just in the past couple of weeks, the things that we're seeing, we're seeing fires raging in California. As we speak, Hurricane Henry is hitting the northeast coast, and, and there's floods in Tennessee and North Carolina, and there's this pandemic that's, that's roaring its head again, and we're walking through these perilous times, and if ever there's a time that the church and God's people should be walking in self, uh, not in self-confidence, but in spiritual confidence, it's in this moment. Because you cannot have confidence in anything else going on around you. But, oh, if God be for me, who can be against me? No matter what comes against me, I have a God, and my God sees me, and my God meets me where I am. I love the chorus we sang this morning because it says, you meet me here again. Have you ever gone somewhere and got stood up? You wait, and they don't show up. It's frustrating. I'll tell you this. God will never stand you up. We stand God up. Sometimes we come and we don't even anticipate that he's going to be here. God is here. He is with us. He is meeting with every one of us in this moment. And I have a confidence in him that will sustain me no matter what I might face. And so as we kind of dive into this, I, I was thinking about this and I, I always love to use scripture to teach scripture, right? I mean, what's a better support for a scripture than a story in the Bible? And as I was thinking about it, the Lord brought Gideon to my mind. Now, some of you might know Gideon, and it's not Gideon's International that distributes Bibles, right? We've all heard of Gideon International. They put Bibles in motel rooms. In fact, I saw a cute story, actually wasn't really cute, but Zarzar Gabor, I think her name is, when she divorced Mr. Hilton, the big Mr. Hilton, the Hilton Motels, she said he was so gracious he gave me 5,000 Bibles, right? You know, uh, The Gideons is not who we're talking about today. We're, we're going to talk about Gideon. And, and I, I was curious as to why they got their name Gideons, the Gideons International. Well, they took it from um, Gideon in the Bible because everyday men and women can make a difference. That was why they chose Gideon. I thought, oh, that fits so well. And so we have this story of Gideon. But here's the thing with spiritual confidence that I, I want you to really grab hold of today. And in the spiritual confidence, it's, it's understanding that it's a journey. And so I want to actually start with the end in mind. So I'm going to tell you at the end of the story, we're going to go all the way to the last page of the story of Gideon. It's found in Judges 6 through 8. And as you see that text there, you will hear that Gideon, with 300 men, defeated the Midianites of 135,000. And so in that, I would say, wow, this Gideon guy, he was an amazing, mighty warrior. Not so. And so as we, as we dive into the story of, of Gideon today, what we're going to see is that there's a progression. There's a, a steps that, that we take in life. And when we start, first start off in our spiritual journey, our steps aren't too sure, are they? 
Our steps are a little wobbly. In fact, learning to stand in our newfound faith is challenging. I'm a grandparent now, and I thought, oh, I have a great illustration for this. And so what I've learned about grandparents is, is you can take any opportunity you want to gloat on your grandkids. So here's a short video of our little Reese learning to walk. No shoes, on her tippy toes, and boom. You see, <laughs> you're supposed to clap here. Oh, isn't that beautiful? You have your own grandkids and kids, and some of you, you'll learn that blessing. It was so fun to relive that as a grandparent and, and watch her first hold the furniture and, and stand up and then walk along the couch and, and then eventually take a little, a little stroller and, and push it across the floor. And I thought, oh, that's what it looks like for us in our, in our, in our spiritual journey until, until that time that, that we begin to get our, our spiritual legs under us and, and we begin to experience it in a different way and, and we begin to walk towards the horses which she loves. You know, it, it, this is what it looks like. It, it's getting our legs under us. It's, it's our spiritual confidence is not something that we get upon simply stating that we are following Jesus. But I believe, sadly, too many times we're crawling, not walking. We don't have enough confidence. I might fall. And so we live in this spiritual condition that does not, us, not allow us to, to live in what God said I have for you, a fullness of life. And we're paralyzed. And I also believe this, that it really doesn't matter where you are in your journey with the Lord, we're not as confident as we can be and one day will be. And that's the story of Gideon. And so when we look at the story of Gideon, we begin to understand that he went on this journey, and I think his journey will be an encouragement to us today to recognize that he just didn't one day wake up and say, you know what, I'm going to wipe out the Midianites, all 135,000 of them. I need 300 good men. Let's go. It didn't happen that way. And as we go on this journey, I believe that we can identify with certain parts of this journey to understand that, that we have to gain our confidence. And we do so, I think, in many ways, the same way that Gideon did. And so to kind of set the context, the Israelites had, had been delivered from Egypt. And they had settled in the Promised Land, and, and during that time, they were ruled by men, and they were called judges. And so that's why we find this story in the book of, of Judges, because they were ruled over by judges. They had not yet started appointed king, appointing kings. And, and so if you read through the book of Judges in the Old Testament, you'll discover that the people of Israel, they, they kind of bounce back and forth of being in favor with God and, and following God's commands and, and then turning from God. And when they were walking in God's favor, they received, or walking in, his, his, in obedience to God, they received his favor. And when they weren't walking in obedience to God, God said, your enemies will overtake you. And so for 40 years, they had peace, and, and, and now they had turned from God after walking, going into the promised land, and the Midianites had begun to overtake them. 
begin to overpress them. And that takes us into the story of, of, of um, Gideon here. And so as you look in Judges chapter 6, if you want to turn there, I'm going to be ro- running through it real quick. But beginning with verse 12, there's this um, situation that happens, and, and it tells us that Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. And if you understand why, it's because he's hiding. The Midianites, every time that they would grow crops, they would come down and they would take the crops. They would steal their cattle. And so the Israelites were actually living in caves on the hillside. No spiritual confidence. They didn't have spiritual confidence because they were not walking in obedience with God. So we live in a cave when we're in that state. And they're living in caves. And and Gideon is hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat so it wouldn't be stolen. And as he's there threshing this wheat, looking forward to a meal, God sends an angel of the Lord to him. Now, when you understand it in this text, when you see the story, it was not the same way that he sent an angel to Mary. It was not the same way that he sent an angel, the angel Gabriel, to announce to the, to the shepherds, to this day my, a child will be born. It, it wasn't that type of an angel. In fact, my interpretation, it was someone who looked like a man. And so God sends this angel to, to Gideon, and in verse 12, the angel proclaims this, Gideon The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Well, he's the only mighty warrior that threshes wheat in a wine press in hiding, right? Gideon hears these words, and immediately he he answers as I would have answered, or I believe you would have answered. And he says this in verse 13, pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but the Lord is with us. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Have you ever asked that question? I have. Have you ever asked it? If you're with us, why are we experiencing what we're experiencing? You come and you proclaim that you're with us. Why are we experiencing all this happening to us? Where are his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. The proclamation the Lord is with us was not one that Gideon was living in. There was no spiritual confidence in Gideon in that moment. I don't see God working in my world. Well, if you go back to the definition of spiritual confidence, it's not determined by external or internal fluctuations. Our confidence is set on God alone, and all of this stuff around us does not mean that God isn't with us. There's illness. There's been so much death associated with with. Our, our church family and our school family, there's, there's been people that we know that right now are, are in the hospital. I got word yesterday, one of our younger pastors is, is probably on a respirator this morning with COVID. And, and I, I, I hear all these things, and the temptation in that moment is to say, God, where are you? But my confidence is in the Word of God. My confidence is 
is in that I have heard God, I have seen God, I have experienced God to a place that I walk more confidently than I did in years past. But it's been a journey. It's been a journey learning to stand, learning to wobble. And then, even in spiritual confidence, getting your feet knocked out from under you and finding yourself just wiped out in a moment of, of what happened. But gaining our, our faith in that moment and spiritual confidence that that wasn't where Gideon was. And so Gideon, I think, did what most of us would do. But I think it's important to understand that, that Gideon was a farmer, not a warrior. Gideon answers the angel, and he, and he says, how, how can I save Israel? So he's moved on that, okay, you said God's with us. I don't think he's with us. And then he goes to the second part of that. He called him a mighty warrior. But pardon me, he says, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest, and I am the least in my family. In other words, no one would pull me out of the crowd and say, hey, Gideon, lead us. He wasn't on the radar anywhere. But here we have Gideon in a wine press, and, and God's saying, for whatever reason, God gave Gideon that assignment. And you know what? God gives us assignments. And it's not because we're anything special. It's just because God said, this is your assignment. And when he gives you an assignment, he equips you for the assignment. He doesn't leave you in it. Gideon wasn't equipped. Gideon wasn't a warrior. The only thing he was good at was threshing wheat. From what we can tell, he's a farmer. And he asked the, the obvious question, how in the world are you going to use me to deliver Israel? And so Gideon asked for a sign. In verse 17, Gideon, in his humanness, and this is why I love this story, because we can identify with Gideon. It's easier to identify with Gideon than some of the other people in the Bible who are, seem pretty, pretty spiritual, you know, big spiritual giants. Gideon's just one of us. And so Gideon, in this moment, asks for a sign. And so Gideon replies, not even sure that this is an angel of the Lord. He says, if you have found favor, if I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Whew. There have been times when I think I've heard the voice of the Lord. And it's like, Lord, I need a sign. Is this really you? Is this really you? Are you really asking me to do this? I need confirmation. And so in this moment, Gideon asked for that. He says, please don't go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. So Gideon runs off and Gideon gets a goat and, and Gideon gets some uh, unleavened bread and, and he brings this offering and he presents it to this angel. And the angel touched it and it was consumed. Gideon's spiritual confidence just went up a notch. Oh, in fact, he was afraid because no one has seen the Lord and lives. And the angel says to him, don't be afraid. You will live. You see the moment where Gideon, he got up off the ground and he stood holding on, recognizing that he was in the presence and he was hearing from God. He gave him a sign. I think, it's, I think it's natural for us to ask God, reveal yourself in this moment to me. I need to see you. And sometimes you don't have to look any further than creation to recognize that God is with us.
And so here we have Gideon in this moment, and his spiritual confidence goes up. Later that night, the scripture says in verse 25, that same night, the Lord came back to Gideon. He says, I want another offering. Gideon was quick. He went and got another a bull this time. He went, and got, he went and got the offering. And the Lord said this, now I want you to go out and I want you to tear down the idols to Baal and then take this offering, place it on the poles that you're gonna, the idol poles, Asherah poles, and burn it to me. Now you have to understand, he's hiding. Now he's gonna go out and, and tear down the idols? So Gideon did what any self-thinking, self-assuring human being would do. He said, yes, I'll do it, because he had enough confidence to do it, but he did it night. He went out in the darkness of cover. Pretty smart guy. You see, he didn't have the spiritual confidence to go out in the middle of the day. He says, I will do it. So he took 10 of his men, 10 of the servants, and they went out and they tore down all the idols and they sacrificed the, the bull to God. And God was pleased. And the next morning, the people were not pleased. The Midianites said, who did this? And he was quickly found out. And they came to kill him. Gideon, still not being all that confident, was in hiding. In fact, his father goes out and says, listen, I'm paraphrasing. Let Bell take care of this. Why would you take care of it? He tore down the, bell, uh, the, the idol to Bell. Let Bell, let the idol, let the god Bell take care of it. And they thought, okay, that makes sense. Gideon lets go of the table and takes a step. Wow, my God is with me. He asked something of me that could have cost me my life, but he protected me. And so in this moment, he begins to experience a spiritual confidence that God is with me. He is walking with me. The story, the story progresses. Gideon has been called by God to overcome the nation of Midian, the Midianites. And Gideon has enough confidence to accept the assignment. And so the Holy Spirit is with him, it says, and he goes out and he blows the horn and all the men gather because the horn that was sounded was one of gather. We're going to war. And 35,000 men came to the call. Now, granted... They're still going up against the army of 135,000. So there's no way you can be self-confident in this moment. We're outnumbered four to one. And God says to, Midian, to Gideon, can you give me another sign? <laughs> are, are you sure? You see, the process of this whole thing was God comes to Gideon and he says, Gideon, it's too many men. Too many men? We're outnumbered 40 men. What? This doesn't make sense. How can this be too many men? If it was 60 men trying to get into a 50-man lifeboat, that's too many. But you can't go to war with too many men. But God says, no, it's too many. Why? God says, 
because I want you to know it is not by the, your hand that you will be delivered, but by my hand. So he tells him, tell all of the men who are afraid to go home. Twenty two thousand of the thirty two thousand go home. And and Gideon is left with ten thousand men. Lord, I need a sign. Are you sure? The Lord wasn't done, he says, still too many. Take them down to the river. And those that get on their 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 hands and, and, and lap up the water like a dog. Put in one, in one crowd. And, and those who kneel and cup their hands and drink that way, set them over here. Two groups. Gideon looked at the groups. There's 9,700 over here. There's 300 over here. And you know, he's like, okay, Lord, I can deal with this. Oh, no, no, Gideon. It's, it's the 300. I don't care who you are. You need to know God is telling you to do that. So Gideon comes up with another plan, and again, it's in so much love and respect. Pardon me, my Lord, but will you give me yet another sign? And so Gideon, we've, we've, most of you have heard of the fleece. So Gideon puts out a fleece, and he, and he says to the Lord, as I sleep tonight, this, this lamb fleece, if the ground is wet around it in the morning and the fleece is dry, I will know that you are sending me and you are with me. He gets up in the morning. The ground is wet all around it, but the fleece is dry. God, can you give me yet another sign? <laughs> right? How many times have we done this? Okay, I, all right, I, I'm pretty sure this is you, but hey, how about if we reverse it? Just out of chance that this, this coincidence happened, this time wet the fleece and let the ground be dry around it. Goes to bed, gets up. The ground is dry, the fleece is wet. Oh, you're with me. Spiritual confidence is growing. But we see the progression in, in Gideon of, of asking the Lord and, and the Lord showing and revealing himself to him. We see it. And Gideon is growing in great confidence. And so Gideon is now ready to go to war. Three hundred men. And the Lord comes to Gideon this time because Gideon is still afraid. God has revealed himself and God comes to Gideon and he says, Gideon, if you're still afraid, so gentle the Holy Spirit is, if you're still afraid, sneak down to the camp of the Midianites and listen. So in chapter 7, Gideon sneaks off because, yes, he's still afraid. I have 300 men, 135,000, and he goes down to the camp, and he hears a conversation of two soldiers and one of them says, I had this dream. And basically the dream was this, that a, a large loaf of bread came down and crushed the tent. Right, it's more spiritual in the scriptures. It's more descriptive. But that's basically what happened. Well, I'm glad that I wasn't interpreting that dream because I would interpret that dream, dream as uh, you, shouldn't have, you should have been a baker and not a soldier, right? 
But in this moment, you, he hears this dream, and the, and the other soldier says, that dream means this. Midian is at danger. Gideon and his army are going to defeat us. Gideon, overhearing this conversation, snuck out of the camp, knowing without a question that he could have confidence in the God who had called him into this assignment. And let me tell you something. Even if God had not delivered the Midianites into the hands of the Israelites, God is who he says he is. But God had made a promise. I will deliver you. And here's where the story takes an interesting turn. God doesn't say, go get all your swords, your best horses and chariots and whatever you may have. He tells Gideon, give all the three, 300, give them a horn, a clay jar, and a torch. That's how I will defeat my enemy. And so, when they attacked them at night, they took 300 men, surrounded the Midianites. On his command, they all blew their horns, and then they broke the jars of clay, revealing the lit torches, and the Midianites, thinking that they were outnumbered, turned on one another, and those who didn't kill each other fled, and God delivered his people. It's a great story. It's an amazing story. There are pieces of it I can relate to. There are pieces of it I can't relate to. But I can relate to this piece. My spiritual confidence has to be a journey. It's okay. It's okay to understand that, that it is a journey. It's okay to understand that there are things that we can draw out of this. And so I just want to give you four quick things that we can really pull out of this. The first lesson we can really learn from this is you don't have to be somebody special to do something special. You don't have to be somebody special. Sometimes we think, well, who am I? Well, let me tell you who you are. You are a son and daughter of the Most High, created in his image, and his presence walks and goes with you. You don't have to be somebody special to do something special. And what is special? One person, one soul is special. And so it may not be that we're conquering a whole nation and an army. Our assignment may be, God says, I have this person here that I want you to care for. I want you to love. I want you to pray for. I want you to mentor. I want you to, to walk with them. You don't have to be somebody special. We see that with Gideon. He was nobody special. Understand how special you are. You're so special that God sent his one and only son for you. And someone might argue, well, if you're that special, why didn't God come himself? Well, if you're a parent, you know why. I'll give my life up before I'll give up one of my children. Right? The most difficult thing to do would be to, to give up your one and only son. That's how special we are in the eyes of our Lord. You don't have to be somebody special in this world or with all these gifts and talents. You simply have to know who you are in God. Another thing that we learn is just because you have questions doesn't mean you're disobedient. I think sometimes we, we feel like we can't question God. 
You know what we teach in, in a ministry through the state and um, through, with our pastors is we actually teach to ask questions. Quite the contrary. And not just ask a question, but ask the second and third questions. You see, God wants us to ask questions. God wants us to be intrigued. God doesn't expect us to be a Gideon with 300 men before we're a Gideon in a wine press threshing wheat. God knows us. There'll be times he'll come to us and he says, I know you're afraid. If you're afraid, here, let me give you some guidance and direction. Just because we have questions doesn't mean we're disobedient. In fact, what it does mean is that we're willing to sit and go before the Lord in his presence. You see, this is all about being in God's presence. You see, none of this would have taken place if Gideon had not had conversation with the Lord. What if Gideon had just dismissed it from the very beginning? What would have happened? Gideon would have probably died of starvation. Now, I have no doubt that if God was going to deliver his nation and Gideon refused the call, he would have called someone else because that's our God. If you do not accept your assignment, it's you that misses out. That which God is caring about and assigned you to, which is people, because he desires for no one to perish apart from him. If we miss our assignment, then he'll send someone else. And you don't want to be that person who feels that way. I had a lady in our church in North Carolina who came to me one one day, and she was grieving. She says, the Lord told me to go see this person yesterday and to share God's love with him, and I didn't do it. And he died this morning. What a horrible moment it was for her. And I didn't even know what to say. All I could say is we have a God that's bigger than you and that revealed himself through someone else. That's all I could say, not even knowing if that was true, but believing and trusting that God is a God of multiple opportunities. But in that moment to experience that guilt, and I know she still carries it today because you can't dismiss that. Disobedient moment where we didn't take the assignment because of our humanness. It's okay to ask questions. Gideon showed us that. His spiritual confidence is grounded in, God's, in God alone. We talk about going to the throne room. We talk about journaling. We talk about reading the word and sitting in God's presence. Let me tell you something. If you're in the cradle, if you're on your knees crawling, if you're holding on to the side of a, of a table in your spiritual journey, you gotta stay in the game. You gotta keep growing. You have to sit with the Lord. Asking him the questions the same way that Gideon asked questions. It's okay. But our spiritual confidence is grounded on God and, and God alone and not on the circumstances of this world. Because if they were grounded in the circumstances of this world, there's not a lot of hope, is there? The events in Afghanistan this week have just, I think, ripped the heart and soul out of anyone with any compassion. To know that, that the Christ followers there are being killed because... They follow and love Jesus. And we are not in that place. You see, they're having to, to decide who they will follow, and it could cost them their life. Do you have the spiritual confidence that if you are in the place of, of these Afghanistan brothers and sisters in Christ, that, that you would stand confidently and say, my God will deliver me? And let me tell you something, God's deliverance doesn't always look like what we think it should look like. But here's my spiritual confidence. 
I know I'm not created for eternity in this life, in this vessel, but I know I'm created for eternity. And in that, I can walk confidently. Do I want more time? Sure. But how much is enough? A hundred years? No. You see, God has set eternity in the hearts of man, and so we don't want to die. Good news, you won't. Walk in that confidence that no matter what man might try to do to you, God will deliver you. I always like to say, Daniel was delivered from the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were delivered from the fire, but they all still eventually experienced a physical death. But they're with the Lord. We all will experience that. Our confidence is in God and God alone. And then we also learn that for us to be successful in our spiritual journey, spiritual confidence, we have to begin walking in that which we have. It doesn't matter where you're at in that journey. You need to walk in it. If it's, if it's crawling, crawl one more place. If it's lifting yourself up, it doesn't matter. My encouragement today is that faith in and of itself, and the scripture says this, our faith in God will save us, but faith without works is what? Faith without works is dead. What is spiritual confidence? It's walking out our faith in what we believe. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time, have a great week and be blessed.